From the Financial Times in London, I'm Ola Ryan and this is FT News. Sweden has long seen itself as a humanitarian superpower, taking in more refugees per capita than almost any other Western country. Numbers peaked two years ago when a country with a population of 10 million people took in 163,000 asylum seekers. The resulting strain on public services prompted the government to cut numbers. Just 30,000 arrived last year. On the line with me is Richard Milne, who has just been to Malmö, the Swedish city where most of the immigrants arrive. Richard, could you tell me a little bit about why Sweden decided to cut the number of refugees? Well, I think quite simply it just couldn't cope anymore. The Swedish prime minister from the centre-left Social Democrats party said that Sweden had been naive. I think the problem was that it didn't realise that by being just so generous, having a very open border, taking in 163,000 people, as you say, in 2015, it just overburdens the state public services. So he went to somewhere like Malmo. They, in the last 20 years, had opened three new schools. They're now looking at opening three new schools every single year. And it's really a phenomenal turnaround. And financially, logistically, it just proved to be too much. Right. I mean, you went to Malmo and you went to Rosengård and Hergarden, the sort of the areas of Malmo where there's a particularly high population of people born outside of Sweden. What did you find when you went there? Well, these areas have become even internationally famous. They've certainly been famous for a long time in Sweden. These were the areas where the Million Programme, it was a housing project in the 60s and 70s to provide homes, not just for the immigrant workers that were coming, but a lot of poorer Swedes. But they've kind of become synonymous with immigrants and essentially become almost like ghettos. They've become very segregated from the rest of the city. So you're looking at 90, 95% foreign-born populations there. And there's problems really at whatever level you look at unemployment levels are far, far higher than normal Swedes. On an education level, the school results are extremely low, the lowest in the city, but also the general population is fairly poorly educated. And so that's probably the main thing that drives the unemployment rate. And then you've got other issues. You've got housing, and you've got a lot of families in very overcrowded flats, and you've got crime as well. There have been a record number of murders in Malmo last year, And while crime generally has been falling, that sort of very violent crime really leads to a sort of feeling of insecurity. But the rise in crime that you're talking about, that hasn't been directly linked to the refugees. I understand that Malmo has a history of gang violence. No, so the police in Rosengård say that the rise in the murder rate is due to inter-gang warfare, and they say it's down to really a very small number, maybe 20, 25 youths age 15 to 20, who they say are people that are largely born in Sweden, so they're not the newly arrived immigrants from Syria. But Sweden does have a real problem with gang violence, and the Prime Minister announced that he wants to crack down on this. Uh, You've had even some attacks involving hand grenades, not particularly in Malmo, but elsewhere. And so that is an issue. But as it said, despite Malmo as a whole having absorbed all these immigrants, the crime rate has not risen. So locals feel that it's unfair to pin any blame directly on the new immigrants for this. Right. So what are the Swedish authorities doing to sort of aid integration? 
Well, this is the big issue. I have to say my impression is that Sweden has been very generous in terms of immigration, in terms of opening the border. It's paid a lot less attention to integration. I talked to an anthropologist who lived in Rosengård who says Sweden is perhaps the worst country in Europe at integration. And it certainly feels like that. So it's kind of getting to grips with this problem perhaps a little late. It's looking at a number of things in its job market. The problem with Sweden's job market is that unlike in the 60s and 70s when they had a lot of immigrants, where there were a lot of low-skilled jobs still in industry, those jobs have now left. Sweden is a very highly skilled, high-knowledge kind of economy. And the fact is that a lot of the most recent immigrants just don't have that level of skills. So the government has set up a training program to try and increase the skills of the immigrants. Language is also an issue. Most immigrants might know some English, so they would fit in better in an English-speaking country. They clearly know no Swedish when they arrive, and that takes a long time. And then there are just sort of very technical issues. It takes 18 months maybe to get a residence permit for a newly arrived immigrant. That's 18 months in which they're completely out of the job market. And often what happens is they just end up being isolated in these segregated areas like Rosengård. And then it's very difficult to get out and very difficult to get a job after that. And I guess in the interim period, they're sort of relying on government benefits. Yes, Sweden's benefits are very generous. And even if it's launched some curbs on immigrants and the ability for family reunion and everything, it's still clear on a European scale Sweden is a pretty attractive destination for immigrants. And the benefits question is one that is politically very sensitive, but it obviously leads to people becoming quite isolated. I mean, if you look in Hergården, which is the sort of most deprived part of Rosengård, the employment rate amongst foreigners is only 26%. And that compares to about 79% for Sweden as a whole. So there's an enormous pool of people who are not in work at all. What impact has the arrival of refugees had on the political environment in Sweden? Well, it's been a long-burning issue. You have an anti-immigrant party, the Sweden Democrats, which has just gradually been gaining in support. Recent opinion polls have shown that they're the second biggest party now. Actually, during the refugee crisis, their support has been fairly stable. But what's happened is that they've put pressure on pretty much every other party to change their position. So for a long time, they were very isolated from the debates. The other establishment parties were very pro-immigration. And in the last couple of years, you've had one by one, nearly all of the establishment parties have launched some kind of crackdown or restrictive measures on immigration. Most recently, the biggest opposition party, the moderates, tried to cozy up to the Sweden Democrats. And that has seen an extraordinary fall in support for the moderates. So we're about a year and a half away from elections in Sweden. And it's a very, very open situation. And I think immigration integration is going to be a huge topic. So it seems unlikely that we're going to see the arrival numbers rising again anytime soon. Well, Sweden has put in border controls on the bridge between Copenhagen and Malmo. And that's the main thing that has reduced immigration, not just to Sweden, but to Norway, to Denmark and to Finland. So They're prolonging that pretty much every three, six months. So at the moment, no, no sign of a dramatic increase again.
Though I guess it's worth sort of bearing in mind that still 30,000 arrivals a year is quite high compared to other European countries. Absolutely. And as you mentioned, Sweden sees itself as a bit of a humanitarian superpower, so it doesn't want to give up on this. I mean, I think in a way, the moral of this story is not necessarily that Sweden is having extraordinary problems that others aren't. It's just that in a way, Sweden, the Nordics have been held up as this utopian example. And we see actually in places like Malmo that they have problems just like the other countries. Right, integration is an issue wherever you go, and Sweden faces the challenges just as much as any place else, I guess. And if you'd like to read Richard's report from Malmo, please go to ft.com forward slash Malmo. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.